This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. He's just yearning for you. He's longing for you. He wants friendship and relationship with you. He needs you. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. This, like, when you say, I, I just can't believe in a God that would, you realize it doesn't matter. You don't get to define God. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God, that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology, a uh, fun subject we're going to talk about today. Uh, yes. And for that, I will hand it off to Chris. Yes. My man, AG, how are you? Good, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. I just got today. I, I just finally received the 16 volume works of John Owen. They finally came. They in. made it. Yeah. And I wish they would have came sooner because there's a whole section on spiritual gifts. And Oh, man. Yeah, well, and you and I both today did place an order mm-hmm. for the uh, two-volume set from Banner of Truth, the complete works of Pastor Jonathan Edwards. That's right. That's right. Uh, arguably the greatest American pastor um, and theologian ever to set yeah. foot on American soil. So... Uh, yeah, I, I kind of wish that those were here as well in talking mm-hmm. about this subject and what's in, in, in talking about this today. And, and just to get it out there, we're going to be talking about speaking in tongues. And um, I kind of thought it would be fun to, to name this episode um, uh, after the very well-written, thoughtful paper <laughs> by Mr. A.G. Martin, Our Tongues for Today. So uh, just a disclaimer uh, before getting started, look, this this subject has been around for uh, a long time yeah. uh, uh, since uh, since the book of Corinthians was written. And we're going to get into that. So yeah. um, as you're listening to this, our um, our request is uh, hit pause, open yeah. your Bible with us. Uh, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, and specifically, we're going to be camping out in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to walk back to Matthew. We're going to walk back to Acts 2. Um, yeah. But if you have some disagreements uh, about some of the things that we're going to say and talk about, uh, as always, we welcome those on Matter of Theology. Uh, we always ask that you would thoughtfully, uh, maturely, with Scripture, uh, reach out to us, send us an email, reach out to us on our socials, um, you know, reach out directly. We are, uh, we, we would love to have a conversation with you about that. So our goal is, um, with the proper hermeneutic and context to walk through what scripture has to say 
about the spiritual gift of tongues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to pray, and, uh, and then we're going to kick it off. So here we go. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, it is difficult uh, to discuss these things because there are so many people uh, out there who don't see uh, this the way that we do, people in our own lives. Uh, Father, so it's in love and in kindness uh, that we don't want to accuse any one person of anything. Uh, Father, we're seeking what's best as it's laid out in your word. Uh, Father, we just pray that you would use this time uh, to to enlighten us and then uh, use your word, God, your word and your word alone uh, to enlighten any and all who may be confused when it comes to the, the topic of, of tongues as, it, as it's laid out in Scripture. Uh, Father, we acknowledge your, the, that your word is infallible, inerrant, and completely sovereign in all matters as it pertains to life and to godliness, and we are here to be subject to it today. God, lead us, please, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, brother, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. Dude, uh, so yeah, you like you mentioned, this is this topic came about from a paper that I wrote, which uh, I'm finishing up my master's in biblical exposition. And so one of the things that I had to discuss or one of the topics I had to choose from um, was our tongues for the church today. And I thought that was a an interesting topic. And I said, well, you know, I think I'm going to pick that one because there's so much controversy around it. And uh, just doing the research, you know, just to spoil the end, what I concluded was that tongues are not necessary for the church today. Uh, And, but like, you know, like you said from the outset, this is a controversial topic. And there are people, there are solid Bible-believing scholars Mm, that you and I would both agree with, um, on many parts that agree that, or that would say that tongues are for today. Right. Uh, guys like DA Carson, right. Guys like Sam storms, John Piper. Yep. Uh, these are men that are highly respected. They're scholars. Um, and, and they would say, you know, tongues have not ceased. They are for today. Uh, but then just from the research that I did trying to find scholarly sources that support that, are, are very limited, right? The majority of scholarship lines up on the cessationist camp that says tongues are not for today. Now, w- when we say tongues are not for today, what we, we're not denying the movement of the spirit. Correct. We don't, we're not saying the spirit doesn't move and we're not saying that he's not active uh, and that, and we're not limiting the spirit in any way. But what we're saying is certain gifts, apostolic gifts, and more specifically to this episode, the gift of tongues has ceased because the function and purpose of it is not necessary anymore. It has fulfilled its purpose, and now it is no longer necessary. Uh, so... <clears throat> Now, when we read scripture, when we go to scripture, when we look at tongues in scripture, we always have to come with a uh, proper hermeneutic. We have to be able to draw out what's actually being said, 
because we see tongues and automatically when we go to the the Pentecostal church down the road and they speak in you know gibberish and they're having this experience people call that a tongue a foreign tongue or a, a tongue of angels when that's actually not what scripture is talking about at all and as we'll get into in, into it on this episode tongues are actual human language and that's that that's key to remember and 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 I'll add to that AG that when discussing the the, the Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones uh, has a has a great sermon on this and and actually he's he's uh, he, he he explores this through uh, John uh, chapter 1 verses 26 and 33 uh, when John the Baptist referring to Christ is talking about he is one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then Martin Lloyd-Jones then, then, then launches into this incredible exposition uh, where he moves to the book of Corinthians. But one of the things that he says is this, when discussing tongues, we have to, we have to avoid two extremes. And I agree with this. Number one, we, we have to avoid the extreme that all speaking in tongues is of the devil. When we're talking about the actual gift of languages, yes. Yes. Uh, when we're talking about uh, gibberish or, or in, in my studies um, on this topic this week, um, uh, you know, I heard a lot of, uh, a lot of theologians call it gobbledygook, which really just made me laugh pretty hard. Um, but when we're talking about the actual gift of languages, uh, we must be careful and not say that all speaking in tongues is of the devil. And it is always possible. So when we hear of it, First John tells us that we are to test it, to examine yes. it. We must always be cautious and careful testing everything. Testing everything. So uh, I just had that thought in there. Some of them. That's right. So now, but you, you bring up testing everything, which means there must be a standard by which we test. So right. our standard that we are to use to test is the word of God. So if uh, we have some kind of experience, we don't just take that experience uh, because it happened in a church or it happened at at some kind uh, another kind of gathering and say, well, that's from God. We must take that experience and we must measure it by the word of God to see whether or not this is or is not from God. Right. So that being said, let, let's let's take a look at Scripture. Now, tongues are only mentioned and, and and this is this is the this is the part that in my research again and and, and AG mentioned Sam Storms, John Piper, uh uh who what was there was somebody else that you uh, uh DA Carson. DA Carson, right? These 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 heavyweights of our day as far as theologians um that 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 support uh the modern charismatic view of a private language, I just, and, and I don't know more than them. We don't know more than them. It's just in my own research, in our mm-hmm. own research of this topic, I also don't see where they get this. Right. Um, because tongues are only mentioned in three books of the Bible. Mark, one time in chapter 16, verse 17, mm-hmm. which AG we'll, gets into. We, need, we, get, we need to get into that. We later, will, and we, 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 yeah. we will, and, and we can get into it and then get right back off of it. Um, and, and yeah, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, Acts three times in the book of Acts, Acts two, Acts 10 and Acts 19, 
and then 1 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. So those are the only three books in the whole of the canon of Scripture that mention tongues. And again, it was a known language. So, mm -hmm. so do you want to get into that right now? Like, you want to start? We can start with Mark. <laughs> or or wait, with, or, or did well, you want to keep well, going? First, Go ahead. first, let's take because people when when we say tongues, people automatically have it in their mind. They they they're not thinking known languages. They're thinking right gobbledygook what they hear at at the local Pentecostal church. Okay, so the first thing I think we actually need to establish is how we got uh, to this kind of gibberish talk okay so which which let's all right so i know i know you did research as far as from 1901 on correct yes okay yeah. so i have some research before that okay yeah so, i mean i have 1901 but i also have uh i mean there's quotes in here from early church fathers and things yeah. like that which i'm sure you have as well um but uh so so if we just go back to 1901 starting in topeka kansas all right and it was new year's eve to be exact uh, there was a gathering that took place led by Charles Fox Parham. Okay. And, uh, at this gathering, a, a woman named, uh, what is her name? Agnes Osman, Agnes Osman. Okay. Uh, she started speaking in tongues. Now, before that, she had actually asked the leaders uh, and the people were there to lay hands on her and pray. And once that happened, she started speaking in a tongue. Now, she called it Chinese. Uh, and the weird thing is, is she actually started writing some of this and you the the writings are still available today. You can look them up and. I love what Nathan, uh, Nathan Bujnitz says. He says when, when he displays it, he says, you don't have to know Chinese to know that that is not Chinese. Okay. When you, when you look at this picture, uh, but what happened is Charles Fox Parham, Agnes Osmond, they believed that this was another Pentecost that was taking place, that they were actually speaking foreign languages. Now where this comes back to bite them in the butt, is they actually send missionaries out uh, to to go proclaim the gospel in other lands, and they don't train in any language, any of these languages that they're going. They say, well, the Holy Spirit will give us the utterances. The Holy Spirit will speak through us and give us these languages, and it turned out to not be so. They went, they spoke in quote-unquote tongues. No one understood what they were saying. The, the mission failed. And so when they came back, Charles Parham actually said, well, maybe it's not foreign language. It's some kind of other heavenly angelic language. And from there, you actually get to uh, gibberish. It's this nonsensical, incoherent babbling uh, that, that really means nothing. So from Topeka, Kansas, uh, you actually have a man... Uh, who meets up with Charles Parham. I think they meet in Texas. Uh, his name is William Seymour. William Seymour is actually uh, he hyper-charismatic type guy, uh, goes out to 
California and the church he's actually pastoring at in California. He comes with this, these new charismatic teachings and they actually lock him out of the church. They change the locks and kick him out of the church. He's no longer a part of that. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, but from there starts the, um, Azusa street revival. Uh, they start, they actually start meeting in a house, uh, on the, on the front porch of this house. And so many people start coming to listen to this preaching and to see these signs and wonders that are supposedly taking place. So many people are gathering on this porch. The porch actually collapses, uh, and then they actually get a building on Azusa street, which is actually no longer there. Um, but, but people start meeting at Azusa to experience uh, speaking in tongues, to, to experience healings and things like that. And the tongues that were actually being, being spoken were not languages. It was gibberish. It was nonsensical gibberish. Um, and so now, I mean, there's actually uh, newspaper clippings that you can look up today from that time, like the LA Daily Times that says it was a weird babbling of tongues. It was just nonsense that was being spoken uh, throughout this the, this this whole. Uh, I it's not it's not a revival, but they would have called it a revival. I mean, it lasted almost ten years. Uh, this whole thing, uh, but in it it says. Uh, these newspaper clippings it talks about breathing strange utterances and mouthing a creed which it would seem no sane mortal could understand right they're just speaking nonsense whatever uh it, it reminds me of uh that famous clip from sid roth in his uh supernatural uh, oh yeah. 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 Speak, speak, speak baby words, speak baby <laughs> words. Now do it faster. Right. They're just speaking nonsense. Um, and so that, that was actually the birth really of Pentecostalism and, and moving forward from there into the sixties, you have, um, a charismatic renewal where now, uh, more mainline denominations. It was Dennis Bennett, wasn't it? Dennis Bennett and then, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's the one that helped spark that charismatic renewal movement in the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, you start seeing mainline denominations start now becoming, uh, more charismatic. I mean, I'm talking like Baptist denominations, you know, denominations that would have been more strict and conservative. Uh, they're now allowing more, uh, liberal movements, uh, into their, into their churches. And so from move and and in the sixties, uh, the charismatic renewal is actually where you get the word of faith. That's where new thought starts to come out. That's where word of faith, prosperity gospel starts to take its root and it moves forward into what we now call the third wave, uh, which is more prominent today and known as the NAR, the new apostolic reformation. Bethel. Bethel. That's right. Bethel. Now, uh, with the third wave, (sighs) That was started by two, two men, C. Peter Wagner and John Wimber. Now, John Wimber is known for starting the Vineyard Church. And so uh, coming from a vineyard background, uh, we learn about John Wimber. Now, uh, there was this, this breakout of signs and wonders that took place in 1994 i believe it was uh at an airport in toronto and it's you may know it as the toronto blessing 
Okay. And this was uh, a vineyard church that was located in the airport in Toronto. And you can look up clips. It's, it's on YouTube. People having holy laughter, rolling on the floor, barking like dogs, just complete, utter blasphemies of the Holy Spirit. And this is actually where I give John Wimber a lot of credit uh, because he personally went to this, uh, what would you call it, uh, garbage? <laughs> That's a good word. He went to this garbage and he actually uh, kicked that church out of the Vineyard Association. They were no longer a part of the Vineyard. Uh, he recognized that that was a false move of the Spirit. Yeah. And, and, and from there is actually where C. Peter Wagner and John Wimber actually split. And kudos to John Wimber for actually... Absolutely. While he was he, he was charismatic and he you know he had more charismatic uh, roots and believed in, in, in the charismatic gifts, uh, he actually was more conservative in his view of the charismatic gifts. Now, more of the charismatic churches today, we would say like Bethel or IHOP, they actually follow more C. Peter Wagner. Because it was C. Peter Wagner who actually coined the term New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, and so from now we uh, kind of arrive at today. And what we see a lot of the, uh, the modern tongues and stuff is actually promoted mostly by these, these ministries like Bethel. Uh, and, and these supernatural movements who, who desire more moving in signs and wonders and seek diligently the gifts over the giver. That's, uh, that, that, that's a good word. And, and let me just, let me just say this. Um, nowhere in the book of scripture do you find ever anyone speaking in a gibberish, gobbledygook, unintelligible, non-human language. That's right. There is nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in the Bible, where you see angels speaking in any other language but human languages. Right. So, and, and, and throughout the history of this uh, of this movement, of the speaking in tongues, um, you know, a, a couple of quotes... Uh, that I thought were interesting is so many people were uh, have said have admitted that that what they do is making up languages. Mm -hmm. Joyce Meyer, after defending it, she said, "Quote: There are millions of people on the earth today doing it. I doubt that many people are making up languages and spending their time talking talking in gibberish." just for the sake of thinking that they are speaking in tongues, close quote. Now, uh, John MacArthur calls that a silly defense, and it unwillingly acknowledges modern glossolalia. How do you glossolalia. Say glossolalia, thank you, which is tongue speech. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what it is. It's making up of languages. It's talking in gibberish. Right. Now, you in uh, glossolalia is also defined as uh, not just tongue speech, but other tongues. Right, right. So in, in looking at this from a biblical standpoint, we turn to the book of Corinthians. 
Mm-hmm. Because w- what you end up seeing is you see so many people who use these passages as proof texts yes. for defending what they're doing. So just 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 a little background on what Paul was addressing uh, there in the Corinthian church. Okay, so so they had adopted and allowed an entire a satanic world system into their assemblies. So chapters one through four deal with their obsession with human philosophies and wisdoms. Okay, so then they had a problem with hero worship, a hero worship cult. That was chapter three. Gross sexual immorality was happening. Chapters five and six. Uh, they were suing one another in court over ridiculous things. Okay, that's also chapter six. They had jacked up the view of home and marriage. There's chapter seven. They had confused um, about pagan feasts and things offered to idols. Chapters eight through ten. Are you hearing a theme here? Women in the church. Chapter eleven, and then we come to chapters twelve through fourteen, and it's all about the spiritual gifts. There was so much emphasis on the gifts with too much of an emphasis on the gifts over love, which is why Paul wrote chapter 13. That's right. So that brings our focus here. Um, What I spent a lot of time studying uh, this week was 1 Corinthians 14, and it deals specifically with the issue of, of the Corinthian church's unhealthy and sinful focus on the gift of tongues. So, you know, going back to Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the things, the questions that he was asking is, is why, why is this gift so, um, why, why is it the one out of all the gifts that is the most likely to be abused? And he said this, it's, and, and he was kind of asking the question, but rhetorically, he said, you know, it's the one that's distributed the most freely, or yeah. it's the least of the gifts. It's more liable to be misused and abused because it promotes selfishness. And here's what's scary about this, you guys, is, you know, the AG walked us through from 1901 on. So, but looking at this from a biblical point of view, looking at what uh, uh, the, the specific pagan religions that the Corinthian church had let in is scary mm-hmm. because this was uh, the, the Greeks at this time, they, they had a word for this ecstatic religious experience that was going on, okay? And you're going to know this word when I say it, eros. And we sometimes translate that as sensual love. But the, the, the word is bigger than that. It has a broader meaning. The word eros means the desire for the sensual, for the ecstatic experience, for the, for the feeling of it all. And so when you look at it, it's, it's a religion that's designed to be felt versus known. Mm-hmm. And we it, see that a lot. Exactly. Today. Exactly. And that's what's happening with the charismatic movement. And it's exactly what happened to the church in Corinth because the church in Corinth, listen to this and tell me that this is not what we're experiencing today because of deadness, years of ignorance of the true work of the Holy Spirit. Lack of quality and depth in Bible teaching um, and really anything significant that was going on. They wanted to feel God. Mm-hmm. And what they end up doing is letting in Satan's counterfeit. 
And what ends up happening is the church marries here. It weds the system of pagan religion that was designed around sensual feelings, experiential, an experiential kind of religion. And then they call it and then they attribute it to works of the Holy Spirit. And that is not okay. Um, I mean, when you when you look at it, and I have quote upon quotes upon quotes upon quotes of 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 people that were t- that talk about these these experiences and and, and the and, and and that former people caught up in the charismatic movement will say uh, that that they experienced and how demonic it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to necessarily get into all of that right now because we don't have a lot of time, but we have to remember something. So we have deadness. We have lack of Bible teaching. We have people wanting feelings. Remember that Satan is called the God of this age. Remember that Satan is called uh, the spirit who energizes the children and sons of disobedience. He wants to be like God. He's called an angel of light, wants to be, appears to be transformed as an angel of light. He wants a reality that's not real. He wants the church to believe in something phony. So look at what's happening today. And, and, and I agree. I agree with so many of, uh, of, of early church fathers, the, 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 the Christendom, the Augustine, uh, and then you look at modern church fathers, the Sproles, MacArthur, Lawson. Um, when, when that's what we're seeing in the modern char- the extreme charismatic movement, is wedding, trying to wed Christianity and pagan religion, mm-hmm. and that's that is that is scary. Mm-hmm. That is really really terrifying. So so let's let, let's dive into to scripture a little bit. Um, and, uh, and, and, and where we see uh, the, the gift of tongues in Scripture. So the first place that we talked about was Mark. So let's go ahead and talk about Mark. All right. So it shows up in Mark in chapter 16, the last chapter of Mark. And it shows up in what we would call the longer ending of Mark. Okay. <laughs> it's the post-credit scene. That's yeah, the post-credit scene. Um, so now let's. Uh, I, I believe it's verse uh, seventeen is where it shows up. Yep. So now it's verse seventeen. This is what it says: These signs will accompany those who have believed. And now he gives the list of signs. In my name, they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues they will pick up serpents is also where people get the idea of snake handling and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover uh so basically what this longer ending of mark is saying is that those people who believe who come to faith in christ they will be able to do these things problem is that uh, the longer ending of Mark, most textual critical scholars do not believe is original to Mark. It is actually an addition to Mark 
that does not appear in our most reliable manuscripts. So these verses we must exercise or, or we must look at with caution. Uh, and really the fact that they don't appear in our most reliable manuscripts um, is really not, we really shouldn't hold to them. Uh, use caution, yes. And, and you might even be saying, but I thought all scripture was profitable, uh, breathed out by God. Yeah, that's true. It is. Okay. All uh, of or original scripture but not necessarily what a scribe may have put in there that was in a margin that was added by another scribe uh well and i'll add to that even if it is the and and that that what we're talking about is the term you'll hear textual variant so even if that's the case simply put all this this passage is referring to is it simply mentions that tongues is one of the gifts that would be expressed Mm -hmm. in the time of the apostles ministry and it was So, so again, using scripture to -hmm. interpret scripture, Mm -hmm. and that's going to be a key as, as, as we move forward with this using scripture to interpret scripture, that's all it's saying. And that did come into fruition. So it fits into that historic apostolic time period Mm -hmm. where there were miraculous gifts to establish the authority of the office of apostleship. That's right. Okay. Signs, wonders, um, and, 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 and showing that, that, that to, to everyone who heard that the apostles were speaking God's truth. But, but also notice the order, okay? Because I started at 17, but before that is the proclamation of the gospel. So these signs will accompany what? The proclamation of the gospel. A lot of people, what we see now is they want to put the horse in front of, or the carriage in front of the horse, and they want to do signs and wonders in order to tell people about Jesus. Well, no, you tell people about Jesus and it's possible that a sign or wonder could follow as further testimony uh, to the proclamation of Jesus. But it, it's not a, it's not guaranteed. And really, uh, what does Paul say in Romans? It's the it's the gospel is the power of God uh, to salvation. Well, right? and the purpose right right it doesn't say that signs and wonders are. And Correct. actually, Jesus says. A, a an adulterous nation seeks signs and wonders. You don't seek signs and wonders. You seek the gospel. You seek Christ. And if it is God's will, if he allows it, he will provide signs and wonders of as verification for the gospel. Preach. Preach it, brother. Listen, all spiritual gifts, the purpose of gifts, and I'm quoting Martin Lloyd-Jones here, the purpose of the gifts are to glorify the Lord through the edification of the church. That's right. So yes. thank you for pointing that out, because absolutely, uh, the, the purpose of the gifts are for the glorification of the Lord, the proclamation of his gospel, which is for the edification salvation and sanctification of his bride that's right and paul, and paul gets into that in first in, in chapter 14 of verse of first corinthians where right. he talks about uh the one who speaks in a tongue uh speaks speaks only to god right we, yeah which which I'm, we're gonna I, get I there I'm getting, we're gonna, oh, I'm, I'm getting ahead <laughs> i oh i can't wait to talk about that okay yeah. so let, let, let's go to acts next i, I just just let's, let's just keep going in order here yeah, because especially with what you said, mm-hmm. okay, what you just said, 
that the signs and the wonders will all, will always follow up the proclamation of the gospel. That's right. So flip into Acts. Go for it. Oh, you want to talk about the day of Pentecost? Yeah. Where uh, the Spirit descended and, and they spoke in tongues of fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so w- one thing that is that really made me laugh uh, about a month, a month ago, maybe a month or two ago, uh, is that I, I, I said that when I hear speak, people speaking in quote unquote tongues, meaning gibberish, it makes me giggle. It makes me laugh. And it does. That's, that's honest. Um, if I hear someone speaking gibberish and they call it a tongue, I can't help but laugh. Um, but someone asked me, they said, and they kind of sarcastically, they said, show me in the Bible where tongues is human language. I'll wait. <laughs> I remember and, my, and my first response without missing a beat was Acts chapter two. And in Acts chapter two. Okay. So, so let's go from the Ascension, right? So Jesus tells the disciples not to go anywhere, but to go where to the upper room and wait until he sends uh, the Holy Spirit. So the so Jesus ascends, they go into the upper room, and they wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they start speaking in tongues. Now, the fascinating thing about these tongues is that they were, everyone assumed that they were drunk, but each person heard them speak in their own language. That's why it is, a, that, that's the first instance where we see that it is a, a known human language, is that people heard them in their own language. So let me get, uh, let's see. So we'll start from verse, verse four. Actually, you know what? Let's just start at the beginning of verse, at the beginning Absolutely. of chapter two. Let's start there. <clears throat> when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, dis- uh, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And uh, when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And dialect. And dialect. Just throwing that in there. That That is, yes. Because... Uh, now, one thing you have to understand is there, there's many people gathered here, and there's many people, obviously, it says each one heard them in his own language. So there's multiple languages being represented, but even among different languages, if even people that may speak the same language may have a different dialect of language. 
Right. An ex- example of that would be Cubans versus anyone from, say, another Hispanic company. Right. Co- like company. I, country. I mean, yeah. So. Yikes. Y- you know, you have. Uh, we'll we'll just do. Uh, Span- we'll stick with Spanish, right? We'll say uh, Mexico and Puerto Rico. Because if if you're from Mexico and you hear someone from Puerto Rico, you're probably going to go, eh, it's a little different Spanish. Right. Uh, it, it, it's a little more. Uh, and I've been to I've been to Puerto Rico. I've got friends down there. They even they would say it's a little more slang. It's a little more sloppy um, than, than from Mexico. But there's different dialect. Not only is there different languages, there's different dialects of each language. So the people there that are listening to this verse seven, they were amazed and astonished saying, why are not all these, uh, uh, sorry, I can't read tonight. (laughs) Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And the reason they're saying that that's significant, that, that that's huge because the Galileans were supposed to be uneducated. So, so it would be just, just, wherever your mind goes with that. Okay. So that's why they were made. Nobody was educated there. They didn't learn languages there. And that's crucial Mm -hmm. with what we're talking about. You can't be taught how to do this. That's right. Again, going back to Martin Lloyd Jones, he talks about that. It's, it's the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. doing it through you. So in, in, in talking, we acknowledge the spirit's power and work in and through our lives. But specifically, this is a language, glossa, okay? That, that, that is the original term there, and that's exactly what that means. So these Galileans, um, I mean, they, I'm not going to even try to pronounce uh, the names of all the people that were there, but, I mean, it was thousands of people, mm-hmm. and it's very clear what the gift was. It was the ability to speak a language you hadn't learned. You have not learned that language. Mm -hmm. And they were declaring the gospel, the wonderful works of God. And everybody that was there, Mm -hmm. they knew that this wasn't of human cunning that was happening. They knew it was divine. Mm -hmm. So... So, so, so that's, that's huge. That, that's a supernatural event. And that also fulfilled prophecy in Isaiah, mm-hmm. Isaiah 28, I believe it is, um, where, where th- this is where, where the church starts Gentiles and Jews together. That's right. So that's keep right. going, man. Sorry. Good job. Um, so they're Galileans. They're uneducated. Verse eight. And how is it that we hear them in our own language to which we were born. I love that verse. And if you want to know the the different languages and the, the people groups that are represented, that's verses 9 through 11. There you go. And then when you get into what was what were they saying, well, you can get into Peter's sermon, which starts in verse 14. This is the gospel. So you see that the gift of of tongues was given in order to proclaim the gospel. This is the first instance of it right here. The gift of tongues, and we're going to get into this in Corinthians. The gift of tongues is for unbelievers. Mm -hmm. 
The gift of tongues is for the unbeliever, not for the believer, unless an interpreter is present and all can be edified by the hearing of and proclamation of the gospel, the counsel of God, God's word. That's right. And I love what uh, Dr. Lawson says when he says, because people, they, they glorify this gift as the Corinthians did. Right. But... Dr. Lawson says, you were not given the Holy Spirit so that you would go speak in other tongues. You were given the gift of the Holy Spirit so that with the one tongue you do have, you can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please repeat that. You were not given the Holy Spirit to go speak in other tongues. You were given the gift of the Holy Spirit so that with the one tongue you do have, you can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So now we move to Corinthians. Yep. So again, in context, chapters 11 through 14 um, are dealing with, in a negative way, Mm -hmm. the gift of tongues. Yes. And the fact that the Corinthians were desiring the gifts above all else. So, so there's a lot of hyperbole. Mm-hmm. This is not meant to be taken out of context as a proof text for your own private prayer language with the angels uh, that doesn't exist. Nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture do you find the imperative, the indicative to empty yourself of all thought to commune with God. Nowhere. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. We're taught to test everything in Thessalonians and John. We are taught and told in, in Romans chapter 12 to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Mm hmm. That's right. Not to empty ourselves and to fill our mouths with with gibberish uh, to where we don't know what we're saying, but then we can come back and defend that it's how we truly commune with God. How do you know that if you're emptying your mind? So so we see that. So so Paul starts here in first Corinthians 14. Uh, He's just wrapped up. This incredible, incredible chapter uh, on the excellence of love. Um, And and I want to kind of back up there uh, because I have heard recently people try to defend the speaking in tongues with 1 Corinthians 13. Mm -hmm. Starting in verse 1, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, of course, people like to quote the first part of that verse but leave out the second part of that verse. That's right. uh, so, so let, let, again, that's hyperbole that, that that's Paul in a sarcastic way saying, if I speak with the tongues of men, languages and angels, uh, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. That's a rebuke. Mm-hmm. That's not an admonishment or an encouragement to speak in tongues. That's right. That's not what that is. Mm-hmm. So starting in first, in first in chapter 14, he says, pursue love. Well, let's, well, let's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Good. 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 So you're, you're pointing out the fact that it's hyperbole, right? Yes. But the whole point is not about tongues. The whole point right. is love. Even if, because, because 
for those of you that don't know, hyperbole shows some compare something you can do with something you can't do. Okay, so Paul's he gives this list of things, and he says, if I can do these things, or even if I can do the things that I can't do, actually can't do, if I don't possess love, I am uh, nothing. Everything that I do is pointless. It's nothing but uh, a, cl- a clanging gong. It's noisy. It, it's, it's noise. It's just in vain. It's it's complete uh, pointlessness. So uh, now move into uh, chapter fourteen. Right. So he he starts out and he and he says, "Pursue love, mm-hmm. yet desire earnestly mm-hmm. spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy." So we're going to stop there for a second. So he's saying, he's saying pursue love. Um, and, and the word that he uses there in the Greek is diako, which means to chase, to run after, to pursue. Um, so he's saying, just to AG's point, and, and pursue love. If you're going to chase after something, let it be love, mm-hmm. biblical love, yeah. love the way Christ loves um, so, but he says, keep desiring the spiritual, mm-hmm. uh, and in the new American standard, the word gifts there is an ita- italics. It, it's just saying, you know, literally it's, it, it should read continue desiring spirituals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he's saying, he's saying that because that, 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 those kind of gifts are still going on and still being used for establishing apostolic authority. That's right. But look at what he says is primary mm-hmm. prophecy. Okay, so prophecy is um, propheteo, and I'm not pronouncing these right, I don't think. Um, so, and it comes from two words meaning before, okay, pro meaning before, and uh, phimi, phimi? I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know. It means speak. It means to speak before, basically to speak before someone else. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying there is what we see in Acts, okay? Peter's sermon, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So he's saying that if you want to pursue something, you pursue love, you continue to desire the spirituals, but the bottom line is is the gifts of t- tongues are secondary. That's right. And again, biblical tongues, languages, mm-hmm. not gibberish. Again, that's nowhere in scripture. Nowhere right. at all. So he's saying that that that, that is secondary, okay? So so we walk in verse 2. He says, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, Mm -hmm. you will find and you will hear a lot of people in the charismatic movement use this verse as a defense for the non-biblical version of speaking in tongues. Right. Saying that, well, I'm speaking in a language and I'm not speaking to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Go ahead, man. I thought you you could say something. Well, I mean, I mean, just it shows that they don't read their Bible because what yes. is what, what does Paul even say is the purpose of the spiritual gifts? Edification of the church. The edification of the church. So if you don't, if you use this gift that has been given to you by God, uh, and you only use it to communicate with God. Yet its intended purpose is the edification of the church. Are you using the gift correctly or are you misusing it? You're misusing it. Yep. 
because if no, and that's, this is, that's the whole point of, of verse two. All right. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God for no one understands him because he's speaking a language that no one understands. And again, in context, look at what was going on in the Corinthian church. Remember what we talked about before, the pagan ecstasies that were happening. Mm -hmm. So basically what Paul's saying is nobody understands what you're saying. That's right. You're wrapped up in speaking all these pagan utterances um, that, that have nothing to do with the edification mm-hmm. of the church. That's right. And and and, and if you get into uh, what's interesting is you look at if you look at the Greek there, the the God right there. I know it's capitalized in the New American Standard, but if you look at the Greek, it can mean a God. That's I I, I found that I found that interesting in my research and studies. I was like, wow, okay. Um, but the point of the verse is that. In doing that, you're speaking in a tongue that speaks not to men. And look, and AG said it, and that was where I was going next, man. And and by the way, we haven't compared notes. We're just doing the thing, as, <laughs> as a friend of ours would say. Um, all spiritual gifts are intended for the edification of the church. Mm-hmm. No gift of God was given for an individual alone. That's right. It is for the edification and the building up mm-hmm. of the body of Christ. And look, let's get into this. God does not want to be talked to that way. Right. And this is this is kind of where I wanted to, 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 to unpack this. It was God doesn't want you to to talk to him in some 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 unknown, incomprehensible um, nonsense. Right. Nonsense. I, and, 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 and so flip back with me. Go ahead. Are you say something? Well, no, there's. People try to use this idea of uh, even uh, calling it an angelic language, uh, speaking unto God. They try to say, well, I'd speak that way because Satan can't understand me. He can't understand when we speak in the language of angels. Okay. But Satan is a fallen angel. So if anyone knows the language of angels... It's going to be Satan because not only was Satan an angel, he was one of the top angels. And remember what we were talking about before you guys, Satan wants to be worshiped. He wants Mm -hmm. to be like God. Remember that. That's the reason that he was cast out. That's the reason he fell. So if, if, and, and, and there, again, there are multiple, multiple quotes I could read right now that would freak you out if you read what happens. Or, I mean, just get on YouTube and search speaking in tongues and, and watch what you see and then compare that to Scripture. You're not going to find it. Right. You are not going to find it anywhere in Scripture. So in flipping to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 6, when talking about prayer, you know, and, and, and specifically because you know, Paul here in First Corinthians 14, he's 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 uh, he's saying uh, that you're speaking, you know, that, that if you're talking in tongues, that you're you're speaking to God. Look at so. So Matthew chapter six and verse seven. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So what's interesting here, uh, and, and this, this blew my mind 
when I when I really dug into this. I've read this passage before, um, and 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 used it before. So, but he's saying there, meaningless repetition. That's bata legeo. Okay, legeo is the word to speak, from which we get logos or logos, um, and the prefix there is bata. And what's interesting, and you look at this, and bata's not even a word. Okay, it's what's called in the English language an onomatopoeia. Okay, so onomatopoeia is again like like words like bzz, like a zipper goes zip. So it's not a word. So so what Jesus is saying here is in the literal Greek, when you pray, when you when you when you pray, don't say bata 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 bata. What does that sound like? <laughs> He's saying, don't go to God with that. That's not what God wants. That's what pagans do. Mm-hmm. So e- Christ is talking about not praying with gibberish. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself, we are called to pray with our minds. Mm-hmm. When Jesus went to the garden, he didn't use some, this is God praying to God, deity praying to deity. He didn't use some unknown language. It was human languages. It was clear. John 17, the high priestly prayer of Christ was clear. But look at what the Corinthians were doing. Look at what the people in the modern charismatic movement are doing. They are, 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 are promoting that, that we're speaking in this tongues of angels. And, 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 and Jesus himself is saying, no, when you pray, do not pray like that. All you're doing, and flipping back to 1 Corinthians 14, all you're doing is edifying yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be using the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the edification of the, the, the body of Christ, not for the edification of yourself. That's right. That's right. That's a good word, man. Blew my mind when I, when I was reading that and studying that and, and, and listening to different theologians talk about that. I was just like, wow. Yeah. Now wow. you, uh, in the study that you did, uh, in reading and listening to MacArthur, uh, he talked about tongues, um, the use of tongues was also uh, for something else. What what was it that uh, MacArthur uh, pointed out? Yeah, uh, well, and and I, and I kind of hit on that when we were when I was talking about the what the Corinthian church was getting into. Right, right. Um, it it was for sensual pleasure, mm-hmm. uh, be, and ultimately. Uh, Ultimately, yeah. Uh, I mean, I you look at the, the the charismatic movement today, the sufficiency of Scripture is not enough for them. The defense that you're going to get are, are, are taking verses out of context, out of 1 Corinthians 4, 11, 12, 13, and 14, um, to try to support that because they want a feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's that that's 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 something else that's extremely dangerous with this. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because... Um, it, it, there's there's a quote here um oh here it is here it is okay so this guy uh this guy named george gardner he was a pastor uh and he wrote an excellent book uh and he described the dangers 
of surrendering your mind and abandoning control uh, for the sake of the, the euphoria, the ecstatic feeling, uh, which is what the Corinthians were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and really, and I didn't get into this um, when I was talking about this before, just because I was, I, I guess, trying to keep it PG. Uh, <laughs> but, but these pagan practices that the Corinthians were in often led to orgies and, mm-hmm. and gross sexual acts. Um, and, 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 and that that's important to point out today uh, because, you know, a, a question that you could ask is these, these people that really promote this um, really push and promote this. What do their lives reflect? Um, but George Gardner talks about the danger of this. And, and he said this uh, quote, the enemy of the soul is ever ready to take advantage of an out of control situation. And thousands of Christians can testify with regret to the end results. Such experiences not only give Satan an opening, he is quick to exploit. They can be physiologically damaging to the individual. Charismatic writers are constantly warning tongue speakers that they will suffer a letdown. This is ascribed to the devil, and the reader uh, is urged to get refilled as soon as possible. So the seeker for the experience goes back through the ritual again and again and begins to discover something. Ecstatic experience, like drug addiction, requires larger and larger doses to satisfy. Mm. Sometimes the bizarre is introduced. I've seen people run around a room until they were exhausted. I've seen people climb tent poles and laugh hysterically. Go into trances for days, do other weird things, as the high sought becomes more elusive. Eventually, there is a crisis and a decision is made. He will sit on the back seats and be a spectator. He'll fake it or go on and hope that everything will eventually be as it was. The most tragic decision is to quit and in the quitting, abandon, abandoning all things spiritual as fraudulent. The spectators are frustrated. The fakers suffer guilt. The hoping are pitiable. And the quitters are a tragedy. No such movements are not harmless, end quote. Wow. So he's talking about, I mean, he gets into the fact that it's never satisfying. Right. It's the least of the gifts. Paul, in, whenever he lists, by the way, the spiritual gifts, tongues are always last. Mm-hmm. Because it's the least of the gifts. Mm-hmm. But in desiring them, you have to be very careful because, again, in desiring those gifts... In, not the gifts biblically, not for the edification of the church. When you desire the gifts for personal gain mm-hmm. and for your own sensual desires, that, that is when it becomes pagan worship and that when it, sin is never satisfying, right? right. And we're going to get into that when we talk about the mortification of sin. Mm-hmm. You always want more unless you kill it. That's right. And this is a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so in, in, in kind of, and I know I piggybacked off of, off of what you were saying as far as, uh, as far as the pagan sexual rituals that were going on in the Corinthian church, um, you know, but, but that, that, that quote right there, and there are many, many other people who can testify of the dangers of, of how harmless, uh, or, or not, I'm sorry, excuse me, how harmful, uh, the, the desiring this in an unhealthy way can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So let's uh, let's transition into 
speaking in tongues in a church setting. Yes. Because I sorry, I got overly excited about that. Because there are uh many places that where where, where this takes place. Uh and there are instructions, imagine that, mm-hmm. in scripture on how it should take place. Oh, and by the way, I, I found a quote, speaking of the vineyard, uh, M- MacArthur actually was asked by somebody at the vineyard church to come to one of their churches, and uh, a couple thousand people were there, and, and they asked people to speak in tongues, to, to stand up and start singing their own song to God. I've, I've heard that in a couple of passion events. Uh, um, and... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and and he 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 was asked, "Hey, is there anything from a biblical standpoint that we're not doing right?" Dangerous question to ask, Doctor John. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, and and he told him, he said, "Well, yeah, you're not following the. If you're trying to exercise the spiritual gifts found in Scripture, you're not you're not keeping to the instructions that are laid out in Scripture." So, yeah, let's talk about that, man. Yep. So, if any person were to stand up in a church service and speak in a tongue, something must follow. What is that thing that must follow? Interpretation. Interpretation. Hermeneo. That's right. Guess guess what word we get from that? Hermeneutics. There it is. So really, well, let me, sorry, I'm going to jump in here real quick. Mm-hmm. So really when you, when you, you know, the, the gift of tongues is often elevated to this this ecstatic, amazing position. Like you should desire this, but really, without interpretation, it's useless. So, really, the better gift—I mean, prophecy is 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 primary—but mm. the better gift is interpretation. That's right. And then tongues. But anyway, keep going. In. Well, let's just get into get into the passage, um, the instructions. So we're still in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, okay, anyone, any person, if anyone stands up out of their seat and speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three. So no one person is supposed to just stand up and speak. There must be at least two or three who speak in a tongue, and each of them in turn. And one must, must, okay, let me say that word again, must interpret. There must be an interpreter. Verse 28, but if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent. In the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. So that means you get up to speak, but there's no interpreter. Shut your mouth. You are not to speak. You sit back down. Okay? <laughs> Specific instructions in scripture. Yeah. Which, and again, uh, Going, going back even one more verse, verse 26 there. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a, uh, has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for what? Edification. So then he launches into the rules here. 
Mm-hmm. Two, so not one, two, at the most, three. That's right. So no more, no more than three. And each in turn, one at a time. So again, you consider the context, consider the fact that this in no way is a mandate to speak in tongues. Um, and, and, and these Corinthians have prostituted the gift of tongues. And so then Paul, he walks through now, now, and, 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 and earlier he does say, don't forbid it, right? Don't forbid people to speak in tongues. Don't eliminate it. Okay. So, but then he launches into the instructions and he's very, very, very clear about who's to do it and how it's supposed to go. So, so what was happening is there in the Corinthian church, it was chaotic. It was out of order. Um, it was all over the place because listen, it was self-centered. That's right. It was prideful. It was for putting on a show. And, and that, that's what Paul's saying. No, absolutely not. That's not the way that this is supposed to be at all. So we've, we've discussed kind of the history of modern tongues, the movement from what we saw uh, just going back to the ni- uh, 1901, so the start of the 20th century. And we could go back further. We can go back to, oh yeah, we can pull quotes from the early church fathers who talk about these things. Augustine, Chrysostom, they're all there. Yep. Uh, even John Calvin uh, in dealing with Absolutely. the libertines, yep. dealing with the yep. libertines yep. who spoke in, uh, in babbling, babbling languages. All of the manifestation of tongues, they were always identified as heretical, fanatical, mm-hmm. unorthodox, outside of the church. Um, and, and, and not to be trusted. That's right. So we've gone through the history of tongues. We've talked about what tongues is, which is actual human languages. It's not gibberish. Uh, we can see, uh, warnings in scripture. We see how tongues are to be used in scripture. We see if you are to speak in the church, the regulations uh, that are that that is to follow with uh, speaking in tongues. And Chris, did you have some, something to add? Yes, keep going. Okay, um, I'm I'm looking for it. Okay, uh, <clears throat> too many notes. Yeah, uh, but and we've talked we've talked about the purpose of it, which was the edification of the body, the establishment of the church. So now when we Let's transition into why tongues are not necessary for today. So the reason that tongues are not necessary for today is because the church is established. The gospel has gone out. It has been, Paul says in in Colossians, the gospel has been proclaimed to every creature under the sun. The gospel has gone forth. We have churches in every nation. And again, how you define nation is kind of loose um, because, you know, what what constitutes a quote unquote nation. But for the most part, we'll say uh, the gospel has gone to every nation. Okay. The church is established. We do not need the gift of tongues to go to 
another country to speak in another language in order to give the gospel because the gospel has already gone forth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and again, to go back to, and I agree uh, wholeheartedly, to go back to one of the things that uh, that Martin Lloyd-Jones was saying that I was listening to earlier today, uh, even he was talking about, um, you know, the gift of tongues. Um, and, and is it possible, is it possible for the Holy Spirit to, to work through someone speaking a language they have not learned in order to present the gospel of Jesus Christ found in Holy Scripture in a language and dialect uh, that so, an unbeliever or group of unbelievers would hear and respond to? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes, which is why we, we don't say that it's not possible. It's why that even when you find people who define, uh, find people who define themselves as cessationists, uh, again, define the terms. That's right. They are not saying that they don't believe in the spiritual gifts. What they're saying is that the gifts will be used for the edification of the body and the gifts that were given to establish apostolic authority before we had the holy word of God mm-hmm. have ceased. That's right. And now there's a reason if you read the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, tongues are not mentioned. Peter doesn't mention them. Jude doesn't mention them. That's right. So what we can gather from the fact that tongues is no longer being mentioned in how you are to conduct church services through the pastoral epistles, what Paul tells Timothy, what Paul tells Titus, is that it's... And this, you may say this is reading into the text a little bit, but I think I'm on safe ground to say that uh, we can gather uh, this information, that it's it, it's more, more or less conclusive, is that tongues have already begun to cease at that time in the first century. Just like the gift of healing, right? Just like the gift of healing. Because what do you see as the gospel's going forth and the church is being established? You see people being healed. You see Peter's shadow falling on people and them getting healed. You see people being able to say, uh, rise and walk, right? But then right. What, what, what else do you see? Uh, you see Paul not heal uh, Trophimus when he left him in Miletus, right? Why, why did he do that? Why didn't he just heal him? Obviously, if he's an apostle, he's got and he's got the Holy Spirit, he's got the power to do so. But what we can what we can see is that some of these gifts had already begun to cease even within the pages of Scripture. Yep. What are you looking for? Uh, a specific quote. Uh, and and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to paraphrase it because I can't seem to find it, but it's uh. Man, it's when you look at when you look at those who are proponents, and I I agree, Ag, what you just said is spot on, a hundred and ten percent. The the gifts, uh, and and a lot of people will, um, as far as the people in the cessationist camp will look at First Corinthians thirteen eight, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, 
They will be done away. If now, there are tongues, let, they will talk, cease. Let, Go ahead. Let's talk about the gift of prophecy real quick, because I want I want to be clear. Yeah. Now, yes, when we, thank you. When we define prophecy, there's two ways to define it. There's foretelling, and then there is forth telling. Now, foretelling is that uh, prediction call uh, prediction of the future, telling you of something that is going to happen in the future that has not happened yet. And then there is forth telling, which is is the telling the proclamation of something that has already taken place. So when we speak of prophecy, we're talking about foretelling the the proclamation of the gospel, which is uh, what Paul is referring to when he talks about seeking the gift of prophecy. He's talking about mm. seeking the gift of foretelling, the going forth and proclaiming of the gospel. That's right. That's right. Um, and and what what I was what I was looking for, and I I, I can't seem to find it. But uh, but I, I mean, basically, it can be summed up like this. The spiritual gifts were given to the apostles, right, to establish apostolic authority. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the same apostles who wrote things like, be holy as I am holy. Mm-hmm. The same apostles who encouraged and admonished us to mortify the deeds of the flesh and did so by example. So, uh, so, so basically the quote I was looking for had to do uh, with this and saying that... Um, were the gifts still to be active today, God is not going to entrust them to people who have shoddy theology. That's right. And, and, and don't live holy lives. And look, I'm not, look, no one's perfect. We are all sinners saved by grace. We are all work, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Sanctification is a process. We all, we all sin, fall short of the glory of God. Um, and as did the apostles. That's right. Right. Scripture is filled with many examples. Um, so, but God is not going to give those gifts in that way to people who live lives that do nothing but blaspheme the name of Christ. That's right. So that, 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 that's, there was a, there was a long quote that, that specifically talked about that. That was, that was pretty, pretty solid and intense, but, and and really if that gift is still active today, uh, in the way that it was active in in the pages of scripture, in the way that, that it's active in Paul's time and talking to the Corinthians, what it's associated with is always the proclamation of the gospel, the going forth of the gospel. The gospel we know has gone out to all nations. Now, if that gift is still active today, there would need to, there, there really would need to be another gospel that would be proclaimed. Right. Because now you're saying the gospel hasn't gone forth through to all places. uh, And Paul is now a liar uh, saying that, that the gospel has, but really uh, you would almost have to preach another gospel in order to make that gift even relevant today. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's the, uh, 
That, that, that's the point, you know, I, and, and, and honestly, so that's what in, in his institutes, that's what Calvin talks about. Yep. Yep. When, when he talks about the gift of tongues um, and in his, in, in his, uh, his commentaries, um, he talks about that, that because the gift of tongues has ceased and its purpose was to to proclaim the gospel to nations where people had not learned the language in the first century, uneducated people who are who God is sending out. Uh, it has ceased because the gospel has gone forth and in order because of the function and purpose of the gift. If it's active today, you would have to be proclaiming a different gospel for it to be relevant. Right, absolutely, and and Scripture's clear. Scripture is is crystal clear on this, um, uh, and and ultimately the tool that we have for that proclamation, the tool that we have, uh, and and that we have been given as it pertains to all things, matters of of life and godliness, are the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. Are the Scriptures? We have a more sure word. Peter says than these gifts and that is scripture that's right that is the bible that is the bible so get your nose and your face and your mind and your heart out of wanting these ecstatic pagan sensual experiences and and take that energy and focus it on scripture and being obedient to what scripture has to say Mm. amen that's good I think that's a good place to stop because we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes or so. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's so much more, guys, that, that, that can be said about this. Mm-hmm. If you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, please reach out. Please, yeah. please reach out. And, and, and again, I hope, I hope you hear our hearts. Our, our goal wasn't mm-hmm. to attack um, or tear down, but to have a discussion. That's right. And again, so. I mean... There are some heavyweights of the faith. Um, yeah. Men that are a lot smarter than us that. Yes. Uh, I mean, if, if D.A. Carson were to say, hey, let's let's have a debate about this. I would absolutely say no. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. <laughs> I mean, I was just listening to John Piper uh, yesterday and 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 he just. Yeah. Blew the mind uh, in a good way. And, and, and now I think even even John Piper. Uh, when he talks about his desire to speak in tongues, right? Because he gives a confession where he says he would go out to his car and he would try to speak in tongues, but he knew that he wasn't doing it. Yep. And when you look at a lot of people who have done that, um, and then again, as the Lord will, by his grace and sovereignty and provision and and their diligent study of scripture, uh, will repent of that and then come forward and say, I, I never really knew exactly what I was. I, I, I was faking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there, there are some great resources that you guys, uh, you know, that, that, that if you're curious about this, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the material that, that we studied, um, Strange Fire, uh, John MacArthur, Defining Deception, mm-hmm. great book. Would, Fantastic if you, book. If you really want in-depth history of this, of yes. how this came about in the Pentecostal movement and charismatic, Man. that Costi goes into the history of it in, in depth, yeah. and it is great. He also goes further into it in, in his new book, God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel, uh, which I finished in less than a day. I could not put that book down. Yep. Um, and that's the way so, defining deception was too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, up, yeah. Me too. Put it down. 
Um, so, and they're, they're, Wayne Grudem gets into it in his systematic theology book, mm-hmm. and, and he's for it. Yeah. Um, again, solid brothers in Christ uh, who get the gospel right and, and who, who we have learned from. And, and again, we're not saying we're smarter than them. We're not saying we know more than them or anybody. We're just saying this is what Scripture, this is what we are seeing in Scripture. Right. Um, so consistent flow of scripture. Right now I will, I'm, I'm going to give, uh, you know, these guys credit because what they, what they're doing is they're erring on the side of saying, we don't want to be in a position where it could even remotely look like we're trying to limit the work of the Holy spirit. It's absolutely, that's where you, you get the, the, uh, what's it called? The, uh, cautious uh cautiously optimistic oh wait no you oh you no you have it in your in your hang on yeah i do <laughs> i have i have your 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 paper right here hang on by the way 98% on that paper just uh in case anyone was like I bet, I bet you failed that paper no 98% bro open but cautious open but cautious that's right that's what i said continuationist continuationist yeah uh, they would define themselves as more continuationist, continuationist, open but cautious because they don't want to put themselves in a position where they, uh, where it looks like they're having, they're limiting the Holy Spirit. And even in cessationists, uh, would say they're not limiting the Holy Spirit either. Uh, God can move however God chooses to move. He is the only being with that possesses full free will to do whatever he wants and he can but one of the things that we know he will not do is contradict his word that's right so he can do whatever he wants yes god is bigger than a physical book Mm -hmm. but these are the very words of god breathed out by god himself uh and and he's clear again uh Going back to Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, and I'm paraphrasing this, but he said, if you come to a conclusion from a theological standpoint that can only be proved by one small verse, sentence, or word in Scripture, go back to Scripture and start over, you're wrong. Yes. Um, it's always dangerous use... to develop a, a theology around one or two verses. Correct. Correct. So dive in, dive in again to quote Daryl Harrison uh, and the Just Thinking podcast. I mean, one of the things that he says is that we don't just need to read the Bible. We need to study it and mm-hmm. study it and study it and study it some more. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to do as well. And we hope that, that this is encouraging you to do the same. Yes. Again, we don't think we know it all. We really don't. That's right. I promise you. We to have quote to... my brother Nick Steinick and I don't know diddly poo. That's right. I don't know a little bit about a little bit. That's right. There's people that can hop on here and can that they just got everything together and they're way smarter than us. We ain't them people. We got to actually study our butts off so that we just look like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, with that, we hope this show has been beneficial to you we hope that you learned something that maybe you didn't know we hope you know i did yeah i mean not necessarily you know one trying to come on here and change your position but just to take you back to scripture and say look at it in its context look at these gifts their intended purpose the function 
uh, of these gifts, how they were used, uh, what what God intended by these gifts, um, and just evaluate your position. If you can come away, uh, if you are a Bible-believing person and you go back and you study this and you come away saying, you know what? I'm not convinced. I'm still, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm a continuationist and, and I'm going to side with Sam Storms and John Piper. And so, okay, Hey, fine, man. We still love you. Cool. Uh, if you go through it and you say, you know what, I think you got a point there. I'm, you know, I, I kind of see where this lines up and, you know, I'm going to reconsider that position. Hey, great, man. We'd love to talk to you too. We love you as well. You know, right. Uh, Praise God. Um, Amen. So we're not trying to come in and just say, you're wrong and you need to change. We just want to take you back to scripture, show you what it says, show you the function, uh, show you how these gifts were to operate. Um, That's right. So with that, we are going to sign off. Uh, and until next week, I think we're going to be talking about the mortification of sin. Either that or preacher sneakers. Oh, yeah, preachers, preachers and sneakers. And trust me, guys, it's not what you think. <laughs> nope. It, I was I was pretty sad when I found out preachers and sneakers. But anyway, with that, I'm A.G. Martin. I'm Chris Huff. And missing Josh Loftus. Uh, he's not with us tonight. But I'm sure he will be with us on Mortification of Sin. I think... Wait, didn't he told us he wouldn't be here for a couple weeks? Yeah, he had something going on. Yeah. Well, when he's here, he's here. That's right. And when he's not, it's noticeable. It is. And we miss him. Josh, we We love you, you. buddy. Love you, man. Oh, and go check out Every Day on Monday because he interviewed Tim Challies, and it was awesome. It was very good. And in fact, Tim Challies said, I mean, he talked about it on his blog, how much he enjoyed it. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, we're getting out of here. Matter of theology. Till next time, peace. Go with God.